Like I said, we've been in a series called The Commands of Jesus, Words of Life, and we've been hearing what Jesus said. If you're my follower, this is what I want you to do. And uh, I want to give you kind of a quick recap of all of the commands of Jesus that we've heard, either through the scriptures that we've read or the, the lessons that were taught directly or just referenced. It's, called, it's quite a list. And I'll tell you now, this isn't even everything that Jesus said. But we've heard him say, seek God's kingdom first. We've heard him say, go and baptize and teach. He said, feed my lambs, pray for God to send out workers, be ready, love God, receive the Holy Spirit, abide in me, follow me, deny yourself. We've had that whole section from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 where he said, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, a calling to a higher standard. We've heard Jesus say, I want you to pray this way. I want you to remember me. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I spoke to you. Followers of mine will be in the light. They will walk in the light. You are to shine your light. He said a lot of don'ts. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid of persecution. Don't fear. Don't be afraid of suffering. Don't judge. I want you to be humble. Be merciful. Freely give. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't swear on oath. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Forgive. Be reconciled to others. Love one another. Treat others as you want to be treated. Have you been writing these down? Because there's a lot. There's a lot. Evie, are you writing them down? You going to go back and repeat the list? Go ahead. She's got them. She's got them down. That's my point. There are a lot of commands of Jesus. And even some of the ones that we've heard and that we've studied and that we've challenged ourselves to do, they're like headings that have subcommands underneath them. They're even more specific. Jesus said, love your enemies. But then he goes on to elaborate what that looks like. And that became our, our six daily challenges on the Sunday, after the Sunday that I preached this. Not just love your enemies, but here's how. You need to pray for your enemies. Do good to your enemies. Lend without being expected to be repaid. Give when someone asks of you. Turn the other cheek. Bless those who curse you. We've seen that Jesus gave several specific commands that he calls his followers to hear and to practice. And so we discover that being a Christian, being a Christ follower, is not just a general, you know, be nice to people, be a good dude. That's, that's what Jesus wants. What we find out is that Jesus has some specific ways of living this out. And they're often challenging. They're often counterintuitive. It's not what most people would do. It's not what you would expect to do if you were left without the commands of Jesus. And sometimes they don't come naturally. We discover that these are things that have to be learned and relearned and practiced regularly for them to sink in. Or else they're just a list that we forget. They bounce off of us. It reminds me of uh, the, the physical therapy that I've been in lately. I don't know if you know this, but I hurt my knee. I think I've mentioned it a couple times already. I had surgery back at the beginning of November, and the, the medical team have said, you need to go to physical therapy. I said, okay, what are we going to do there? They said, we're going to teach you how to walk. And I go, I already know how to walk. I've been walking for 39 years of my life. It's pretty, pretty simple. Watch. And then I realized, wait a minute. I don't know how to walk. I've been limping for three months. I had a surgery on my knee. It doesn't bend correctly. They are taking me back to the beginning and teaching me heel, toe, roll, shift your weight, maintain your balance. It is 
wild having to relearn how to walk again after I've been doing that my whole life. In the same way, we might think, commands of Jesus? I've known these my whole life. I know that I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I know that I'm supposed to love God. I know that I'm supposed to forgive. But sometimes we have to relearn them. Sometimes when it comes to hearing all of these commands of Jesus, we realize, oh, you know what? I've kind of been walking with a limp for a while. I may not be doing it correctly, or I may be neglecting the way that it should be done. So we come back and we say, all right, Jesus, teach us how to walk again. Remind us what you want for your followers. What does it look like to live that out? That's why it's important to keep our eyes on Jesus. The things that he said, the things that he did, the way that he treated people. Not just to know the commands of Jesus, but to have regular experience practicing them. When we hear Jesus' commands in a list, you might be overwhelmed and you might be discouraged. Like, how can we keep all of that straight? And if you're feeling that in any sense, I want you to know you're in good company. Because people who walked and talked with Jesus after hearing him teach and after seeing him live, they were scratching their heads and saying the same thing. Like, how, how are we supposed to keep all this straight? How could we possibly do this? And here was Jesus' response. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Jesus, uh, this is what happened. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Joseph, I think we have a slide of this uh, back there. You could throw it up on the screen for us. Gracias, amigo. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, when he came to the place and saw him, came to the place where he was, when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, a couple of uh, coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Kind of makes me wonder how, how this teacher of the law got this Jesus' question right. How did he know to summarize all the law and the prophets with these two commands? Love God and love your neighbor. Maybe he'd heard Jesus say this before. In other parts of the Gospels, we hear an encounter where another teacher of the law asks Jesus this question, and Jesus says, oh, here's the, here's the response that you should know. 
Maybe he was the guy who asked that question when Jesus said it. We'll go to Matthew 22 and, and hear that encounter. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We get in these passages kind of a good umbrella under which all of the commands of Jesus rest. It's kind of like a rubric that you can use to measure your own thoughts and your own actions. If you're wondering, I want to please God, I want to follow Jesus, I want to keep these commands, this is kind of a question you can go to. Well, do these actions that I'm about to do, do they show love for God? Do they show love, mercy, consideration, thoughtfulness, concern, active love for my neighbor? If you can answer yes to those questions, then I think you're on the right track. In our Sunday morning class this fall, we have been doing a deep dive on this command to love your neighbor. And we started by asking the same question that this expert in the law wanted to know the answer to. All right, we're supposed to love our neighbors. Well, who is my neighbor? Is it the person that lives next door to me? And the answer is yes. Okay, well, how about the person that lives two doors down from me? Yeah, that's your neighbor too. Three doors down? Four? I mean, the other neighborhood, the other town? How far away do I have to get before someone is not my neighbor? And Jesus' answer in this question, to this question was a story. And it was a story that illustrated people who were miles and miles apart. Not geographically, they were on the same road, they were in the same proximity, so yeah, they were neighbors in that sense, but ideologically, Jews and Samaritans did not mix. They were natural enemies. If anybody was a Jew and hated a Samaritan or a Samaritan hated a Jew, everybody would go, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes. That's just how those two groups interact with each other. So these guys were not anywhere near being next-door neighbors. But Jesus' illustration of what it means to be a neighbor was done in this context. The man was in need. The man was hurt. The man was neglected by religious people who maybe should have been caring for him. And then his sworn lifelong enemy comes by and says, you know what? He is my neighbor. I'm going to treat him as a neighbor. I think the answer to the question, who is my neighbor, is less about geography. Because <laughs> sometimes when we ask this question, we're like, well, four houses down, I can't be responsible for that person. I'm trying to love one house down. I'm trying to love the people around me. That's all that I can manage. Jesus says, ah, that, that may be the wrong way of coming at this question. Anybody can become your neighbor if you treat them in a neighborly way. If you choose to show them mercy, if you choose to love someone, anybody who is in the range of the mercy that you could show to them becomes your neighbor. And so the question is less about, well, who is my neighbor? And the question, as Jesus sees it, is more like, well, who isn't my neighbor? There's potential all around us to show love to our neighbors. I wanted to take some time this morning to let you know about some of Tri-Valley's neighbors that you may not know about, and then to give you some uh, information about some upcoming opportunities that you have to show uh, love for one another in this church as neighbors and also opportunities to invite your neighbors 
uh, to participate in what our church is doing. So bear with me for a moment. Uh, I want to just give you some information in the form of a pop quiz. This is the acronym quiz. And some of you in my Love Your Neighbor class, you already know the answers to these and you know where this is going. Uh, but the first acronym I want to see if you know the answer to is what does TVCC stand for? Anybody know what that one is? The Tri-Valley Church of Christ. Yes. All right. You guys got that one. Tri-Valley Church of Christ. Sometimes we abbreviate it by saying TVCC. That one was easy. They get harder from here. Okay. Uh, the next acronym is NA. Put that one up there. What does that have to do? Not available. Could mean that. Narcotics Anonymous. Any other guesses? Well, we can stop there because the answer we're looking for is Narcotics Anonymous. Let me tell you about Narcotics Anonymous. This is a group of people who are trying to help each other stay off of drugs. Uh, people who are addicts recovering from drug addictions or finding themselves in drug addictions. And they meet here at the Tri-Valley Church Building once a week. They meet here every Tuesday night. And they've done this for, I don't know, five years? It, it's been a while. They weren't meeting during the, the shutdown of the last couple years. They weren't meeting. And then when the building was open again, they came to us and they said, hey, this is a good location and we want to start meeting again. Can we be here? We said, yeah. You guys have been great tenants. You know, you clean up after yourselves. You're self-sustained. We don't even know you're here half the time. But every Tuesday night, they meet over in the Family Life Center. And after they'd started meeting a couple weeks after the shutdown, the leader of their group, Mark, came to us and he said, this is such a blessing to our group. Because so many groups are still not meeting. So many groups have dissolved uh, during the pandemic. And they didn't have a place to meet. He said, there are people who are driving 45 minutes just to come to this meeting here in the Tri-Valley because they need it, because it's so important for them. We heard that, we went, wow, that's great. We are happy that we can partner with Narcotics Anonymous in that way. They do a lot of the heavy lifting. All we do is give them a key and say, there's some space, do some good work. All right, next uh, abbreviation acronym, CC. What does, what could CC stand for, as you have seen it? Church of Christ, Tri-Valley Church of Christ. Uh, maybe you've sent an email and you've CC'd someone. That, that sounds right, the carbon copy thing. What do you think, Evie? Closed caption? Yeah, yeah. You want to watch with your TV down? Uh, but I heard somebody say it too. It, the, the context that we're looking for, it stands for classical conversations. What does that mean? What is that? Classical conversations is a homeschool curriculum, and it's also a homeschool co-op group that meets here in the church building every Thursday. They come in on Thursdays in the mornings and in the afternoons. They're in this building. They're in the Family Life Center. They're in our classrooms. It's a group of about, what is it, 40 40 families, kids ranging from age like two to double digits, and uh, it's a group of parents that gather and they teach their kids. It's this Christian homeschool group, and they are grateful to use this space. We say, again, here are the keys, do good things, and they do, and they're great tenants, and they clean up after themselves, and, you know, kids are learning about the Lord, and just basic homeschooling stuff. It's a cool group. They're, they're good neighbors of ours, and they use this building. Hmm, we're kind of developing a theme here. Tri-Valley Church of Christ, Narcotics Anonymous on Tuesdays, Classical Conversations on Thursdays. The next one is C-Y-T. What does that stand for? You should know this one. We talked about it recently. This is the Christian Youth Theater Group. 
Uh, they meet here in the buildings on Friday evenings and on Saturday mornings. A couple weeks ago, we talked about them rehearsing for High School Musical. And some of you went to go support them down Livermore High to see their performance. It's the same thing. They needed a place to teach theater, to teach music, to rehearse their choreography and prepare for these musicals that they put on. It's a group of Christians uh, encouraging kids in getting up on stage and having confidence and learning how to sing and learning how to act, learning how to speak. It's the same thing. We give them a key and we say, don't burn the building down. And they've done an excellent job. And you may not have known this, that on Friday evenings, when you're someplace else, on Saturday morning, when you're not here, they are here and they're working on their theater program. And one of the coolest things I heard from this group recently, and I was chatting up their director, and she said, um, yeah, like every Saturday we start with worship, and it's all student-led. I said, wow, that sounds really cool. She's like, yeah, before we do any of the, the musical things, before we practice or rehearse any of our lines, we go out front and we circle up, and some of the high school kids will grab a couple guitars, and they'll get the rest of the students there, and the older students will lead the younger students in worship for about 30 minutes. That's how they kick off their Saturday. I was like, wow, that is so cool. I mean, I thought you guys were just, you know, singing and dancing and practicing stuff, which is fine by itself, but there's a, a worship component that happens here on Saturday mornings that a lot of us didn't know about. Uh, and then the last one that you might know as well is LHR. What does LHR stand for? Yeah, this is the Livermore Homeless Refuge. We've been partnering with them for about three years now. Before the shutdown, uh, we were opening up the Family Life Center for uh, a few weeks at a time. It was kind of a joint effort with some other churches in town so that homeless people would have a safe place to sleep. We'd give them dinner, uh, sleep on the floor in a sleeping bag, breakfast and coffee in the morning. They would use the Family Life Center. They would wipe everything down, clean the bathrooms when they were done. This was a really cool, really responsible group of people that were just didn't have a house. Some people were living in their car. Some people had just gotten a job, and they were in transition, saving up for first and last month's rent. We got to know some of them. Uh, and this group is headed up by Donna McKenzie, and she's just the hardest working lady in Livermore. She's got the biggest heart for homeless people. She does all that she can do and more, and to, to her, it's still never enough. She's always working, always moving. Uh, so before the shutdown, we were taking a turn in housing them during the cold weather months, but then the program shut down. They didn't have enough volunteers. They're not housing homeless people in churches. They didn't do it last year. They're not doing it again this season. But the work of the homeless refuge continues on. They continue to find housing for uh, women and children and individuals who need a place to be. They get them hooked up with toiletries and supplies. And um, Donna has been using a classroom in the Family Life Center for, as kind of her headquarters because the Livermore Homeless Refuge receives a lot of donations, and so she's been storing the donations there. She comes and meets uh, clients, uh, homeless folks that need help. She meets them here at our church building, and she'll get them on their way and give them some assistance. Uh, and this is another one of those easy, no-brainer things that I don't do anything. I, it's no effort of my part except just checking in every once in a while and making sure she has what she needs. We gave her a key and said, have at it. So what do all of these acronyms have in common? They're all kind of partners in ministry. Everybody does a little bit in conjunction with somebody else. And the ones that I pointed out underneath Tri-Valley, these are just people who use our building. The common thread here is that we all use the same space. But we're trying to be good neighbors to people in Livermore. We are trying to do what Jesus said and loving our neighbors by caring for people. Sometimes in big, significant ways and sometimes in 
ways that maybe it's just seed planting that will have larger kingdom impact? We don't know. But partnership is the key here. And like I said, this is I am not running the Livermore Homeless Refuge by any means. I am not very hands-on with the Christian youth theater. But there are people who are. And we as a church have said, you know what, we want to pour fuel on that fire. And we want to, this ministry to continue to doing good works. And in the same way, Tri-Valley Church of Christ, we meet here at various times during the week. We're here every Sunday morning. And our ministry is, is worship. And it's, it's spreading the gospel. And it's sharing Jesus with the world, uh, among other things. But that's kind of our primary thing. And we're supported in those ways by the efforts of the members here. I think we are loving our neighbors in a lot of ways. And I think that these are not the only opportunities that we have to love our neighbors. The thing we've been talking about in this class is just having your eyes open to what God's spirit might be doing. God might be saying, hey, there is a neighbor in your neighborhood who's going through something that you don't know about until you know about it, until you bump into them, until you start learning their names, learning their stories, checking in with them. And then as a follower of Jesus, you can say things like, I'll pray for you. Why don't you come and worship with me? Our church is doing something really exciting in the month of November. Letting them know that you follow Jesus and there's an open door for them to do that as well. That's part of what we want to do as an organization as far as like my role as a leader at Tri-Valley is creating opportunities for people to come to know Jesus and making it easy for you guys to invite your friends and your family members and your geographical neighbors to have an opportunity to hear the gospel, to know more about Jesus to grow in their relationship with God. So with that in mind, like I said, I wanted to give you kind of a, a preview of what's coming up in December. There's going to be lots of opportunities uh, the rest of this month and beyond to invite people to do what our church is doing and to, to come to experience Jesus through our gatherings and events. So I'm going to blast through them real quick here. Should be slides up on the screen. The first one is elfing. We have an elf up there. Yes, we have a friendly elf. This is another Tri-Valley tradition. We've been doing this for, I don't know, six or seven years now. It's an annual fundraiser for Agape Village's foster care agency. And uh, it's, it's basically like a prank. You hire the youth group to put elf cutouts and a sign that says you got elf and all these red and green Christmas balloons in someone's yard. They ring the doorbell and they run away. Ha, 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 ha. And then the person opens up their door and they say, wow. Somebody thought of me. What in the world is this? There's a sign that explains. This is a, you got elfed by somebody that cares about you. And all the money that was raised for that goes to Agape Villages. It's doing good work for, for foster care kids. Wow, that's awesome. Maybe I'll elf somebody else. This is the vision. We've always wanted this to catch on. You guys do a great job every year hiring the youth group to elf people within the church or outside of the church. We just want the word to spread about what we're doing. It's a fun way to let people know that you care about them, and that we're trying to do some good in the name of Jesus. So I want to encourage you guys, participate in helping. Uh, there's information about that in the newsletter. Hire the youth group. They want to go out and be sneaky and uh, stomp around in people's yards uninvited. It's, it's kind of fun. It's, uh, kind of, it's a lot of fun, but it's kind of uh, dangerous. Anyway, I digress. That's helping. That's one way that you guys can get involved with sharing the love of Jesus this uh, December. Second one I want to mention is family breakfast. We like the opportunity to eat together. I've talked about loving one another. You have to know each other before you can love each other very well. And sometimes we just set the table and say, this is what we're trying to do. Giving you a chance to get to know somebody. To have breakfast at the same table as someone. So that's what we're going to do 
next Sunday at 9.30. And it's a potluck, so we need you guys to bring some food. Uh, if you don't bring any food, then we'll just stare at each other across the table. It would be much better if there was a casserole or some croissants. Uh, I'm going to make a breakfast casserole. Arenda Weiss is coordinating some of this. She needs help with people volunteering to set up. The newsletter says we need people to bring a half a gallon of milk and a half a gallon of juice, and we'll, we'll feast together next Sunday morning. But that's 9.30. Talk to Arinda for more information about that. The next thing is uh, after this series is done, starting next week, we're going to do a December sermon series called Christ in the Carols. And this is just looking to some of our classic Christmas carols that are theologically rich, the ones that will tell the story of the nativity and talk about the significance of Jesus becoming, coming to earth in the form of baby Jesus and the, the coming of the Messiah and what that means and why. And we're just going to do kind of like a zoom in focus on some of these classic hymns like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Joy to the World. Go and look at the lyrics of these songs. There is so much scripture in these song lyrics. This isn't just Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. This is Jesus. This is the word in musical form. And it's so cool. So we're going to draw attention to that. Uh, Greg and Phil are going to help me do that while I go help Lisa have a baby. <laughs> it's going to be cool. But I'm excited for Sunday morning. And it's going to be festive. There's going to be garlands. There's going to be lights. There's going to be Christmas trees. We're going to sing these beloved Christmas carols. It's, a, it's an easy win. It's an easy opportunity for you to invite somebody who doesn't go to church, who loves Christmas, but doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Just say, hey, come and worship with me. It's going to be fun. We're going to, have, we're going to have a good Sunday morning. So I want to invite you and encourage you guys to do that. Another gathering that we have coming up on December 12th, which is a Sunday evening at uh, 6 o'clock, we're all going to go over to Deacon Dave's. This is like one of the biggest light displays in the world. And uh, man, he counted one time. It's like almost 400,000 individual lights just in one guy's yard. It's super, super bright. They shut down and they didn't do it last year. But this year they're back. And we've done this before. We all just say, hey, let's all just show up at the same time. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes to wait in line to get through. But that's good because we can just meet up in line, drink our Starbucks, grab some hot chocolate, and just hang out. Get to see each other. Get to chat, ch chat, talk, and chat is chalk, I guess. Uh, visit together. Encourage each other. It'll be fun and festive. So mark that on your calendar. There's also a children's ministry New Year's Eve day party that uh, Sarah and Ryan are coordinating on the 31st. So lots of opportunities for invitations, lots of opportunity to be a good neighbor. And just to say, hey man, Christmas is about Christ. This is about Jesus. This is our bread and butter. We celebrate Jesus year round, but this is the time of year where the world is kind of tuned into that conversation, where everybody turns their attention to like, oh yeah, Bethlehem. Oh yeah, the coming of the Messiah. Oh yeah, angels and shepherds and it's an awesome opportunity to love our neighbors. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up here, and we're going to sing one more song as we close out this morning. I'm going to close us in prayer, praying for God to give us more opportunities like these to love our neighbors, to invite our neighbors, and to practice what it means to live out the second of the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor, because they're all around, and they're just waiting for you to love them in a neighborly way. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this word today that draws our attention toward his heart for everybody in the world. Not just the Israelites, not just Jews, not just Samaritans, not just Tri-Valley church members or churchgoers or existing Christians, 
We thank you for the heart that Jesus has for everybody. And we pray that we can have the same hearts. To love them, to serve them, to pray for them, to invite them into a relationship with you. We pray that as we practice these commands of Jesus, that our discipleship will be more solid, that it will become more like second nature and not as challenging as it sometimes can be. Just continue to keep the vision that Jesus cast in front of us and give us the strength to follow it, uh, whatever it may cost. We love you and we believe in this vision. We believe in Jesus Christ uh, and we want to live like him. So we ask these things in his name. Amen.